Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's a crisis underway in this country. And we've talked about it some over the last number of months but it's just getting worse and it's going to continue to get worse unless we do everything we possibly can to make it better there are 37 million of us each and every one of us is going to need health care at some point in life sometimes sooner sometimes later sometimes to a greater sometimes to a lesser extent but we need it and right now it's not there for us in the way it needs to be. It's the greatest crisis for individual Canadians and Canadian families, the disrepair of our public health care system on a national basis. So you've heard me say this in the past, five million Canadians have no family doctor. Well, if you have a family doctor, that means very little to you, likely. I don't blame you for that. But if you're one of the 5 million or about 15% of our national population that does not have a family doctor, that's the primary, the first component part of the healthcare system. It's not there for you. So you have to make alternate arrangements. And now we know after the two years of the pandemic, doctors are burned out, nurses are burned out. Um, they're leaving the profession in large numbers. And... The backlog is massive. Half a million surgeries waiting to happen. There was a story the other day about a Quebec man who uh, had terrible back pain. Maybe you saw it on globalnews.ca. Terrible back pain. He went to the hospital in Quebec, and they uh, said, well, it's this and that, the other, and did some tests and sent him on his way. So he and his family went to Mexico on vacation. It got so bad he couldn't function at all. So he went to hospital in Mexico, and they discovered cancer. And his situation, as I last heard a couple of days ago, is so severe, he can't leave Mexico. Was it an individual failure in the healthcare system? I have no way of knowing that. But the system is under really tremendous stress, and it's not doing well. And we've talked about that with Dr. Catherine Smart, the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Dr. Smart is back with us, along with Linda Silas, the president of the Canadian Federation of Nurses Unions. Dr. Smart, good to have you back. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me again. You know, I always ask doctors how you are. Thank you. Because nobody else does. Ms. Silas, how are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm fine. It's sunny in Ottawa, so it's, uh, I'm really well. Thank you. Right. Let's talk about uh, our health care system. And I talked about that. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Ms. Silas. I, I talked about that uh, Quebec man because it really struck me the other day. Millions of people have cancer. We have hundreds of thousands of surgeries that are backlogged. We have people who need cancer surgeries. They're not happening. So from the nurse's perspective, how bad is it? 
It's bad. Uh, you know, regardless if it's the cancer uh, treatment uh, or your your surgery or your home care, your long-term care facility, uh, the pandemic really hit us hard and everyone is uh, tired in the system. And I can talk from, you know, from personal care workers to our highest level of specialists in the system. They're tired, they need a break, and they can't take a break because we have so many surgeries uh, waiting, so many treatments waiting, and we're all working short. Uh, for me, it's when I hear a nurse and I hear all of them saying the same thing. I go home every night or every morning and I feel I haven't done a good job because there's not enough of me. So they take it very personally, obviously. Yes, I take it. I've, I've been in the system for a long time. And I've also been advocating for nurses for a very long time. Nationally, it's been 18 years. And I've never seen it this bad. Uh, uh, I was there in the shortage in 1997 when the federal government got involved. It had task force on medicine, task force on nursing, and they took its job seriously. So we were disappointed with this federal budget where uh, health care was kind of mentioned, but nothing uh, dramatic like we were hoping for. Mm. We'll talk about that in a second. Dr. Catherine Smart, the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Dr. Smart, you and I. I've talked about this issue on a number of occasions. It's just getting worse, not getting better. At least uh, if I just go with surveillance material that I'm hearing, and I suspect the surveillance material reflects what's really going on in the trenches. So for the person who's listening to this program now, the person who is not well, can't get the treatment they require, or the person who says, well, what about me? What if it goes wrong for me or my family? Just in layman's terminology, how bad is it across the country? Well, I think, you know, it is, just like Linda was saying, it is really bad. I mean, we are, I think, at a real low point. And, you know, I think what's challenging is when you keep talking about the same thing over and over, people get a bit numb to it. And, and I think, you know, it's, we've been sort of sounding the alarm on the healthcare system for some time without any real action. But, you know, it, it's not a false alarm. There are people who are not getting the care that they need. There are people like the man you discussed who, who aren't, aren't always being able to access the investigations that are required to make an accurate diagnosis in a timely way, or just don't have that longitudinal relationship with a primary care provider to make sure that their symptoms are being monitored, and if they're worsening, they can be investigated properly. So I think, you know, Canadians need to be very worried, because we really have two crises. We have the crisis of that community-based care that's so important uh, over time, but we also are seeing that crisis of acute care, where there is a real risk that we are not going to be able to continue to care for people and they're not necessarily going to have the system there when they need it. Um, and and I'm, I am deeply worried and just especially when you think about the human health resource side of it, you know, if eventually we're not going to have the nurses and doctors showing up. And what is that going to mean when that happens? And I think we're not too far away from that. So let's talk about that because I mean, I can talk to you about hallway medicine. I've seen the articles. I've seen it in practice when I've been inside a hospital. It's very disturbing to see. I know I talk to people who say, gee, you know, if I get sick, I don't know if the system's going to take care of me or not. Those are all valid concerns. But what about the issue of burnout? Ms. Um, Silas, you talked about, and we have the doctors and the nurses working together on this, the federations, the union. Ms. Um, Silas, when a nurse goes home and says, I didn't do a really good job today because, you know, things are left undone. 
So they take it extremely personally. What is the burnout rate? How many nurses are saying, I don't want an exact number, but are there significant numbers of nurses who are saying, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, our last survey, which we got the results in January, 94% says they're showing some signs of burnout. Well, that's probably very similar to all Canadians because of the pandemic. But where it really caught our attention is 46% uh, and need clinical help, clinical mental help because of their burnout symptoms. And that that's the uh, the alarm bells that goes on for everyone because honestly we don't even have enough clinicians as uh, Catherine was saying you know in the community or in primary care to deal with all these mental health issues uh, one in two of our nurses are saying I've had enough I want to change jobs or I want to completely leave uh, so uh, it, it is a big issue and all governments of all stripes uh, from locally to federally and need to deal with it, or we will lose our pressure self-care system, and we'll end up to what what they have in the United States. Okay, so I want to ask you about that and, and the budget and injecting money into the system, because just money alone is not the, uh, the answer. I think you'll both agree with that. I understand it needs money, but that's what politicians have done. They've fired money at it, then use football, health care as a political football. What about the burnout factor among physicians, Dr. Smart? It's also very severe. You know, our recent National Physician Health Survey showed that over 50% of doctors are reporting severe burnout. It's almost doubled during the pandemic. 46% of doctors are thinking about cutting back their clinical hours in the next two years. So, you know, if we think we have an access to care crisis now, What's that going to look like when the people who are in the system aren't able to keep up this pace um, and, and do start working less? So that's really deeply concerning. Um, and, you know, and, and as Linda was saying, it's really at a level we haven't seen and the severity of it as well. You know, 6% of doctors were experiencing regular suicidal ideation. You know, these are caregivers, people that, that are experts in mental health and, and, and health of other people, and they themselves are so unwell that that almost one in ten has contemplated ending their lives. So, you know, I, I think that just really speaks to the depth of despair that people are experiencing and how broken the system is. You know, this is not just us sort of saying it. It's a real problem. And, and I think if our system is breaking the people inside of it to this degree, we need to really be deeply worried about what's happening there. So, uh, uh, Dr. Smart, what are we going to? What's it going to take to really address and start to? Because we can't do it in twenty-four hours, but start to turn this thing around and and make it an environment where the healthcare professionals can operate professionally and with enthusiasm and some energy reserves, and patients can look toward a system that will take care of them. What's it going to take? Well, I think it's going to take a, a level of collaboration and reimagining that we really haven't seen in 60 years. You know, I, I think it's not really in anybody's political interest to really perhaps admit or own the fact that the healthcare system is as broken as it is. And, and I think that's an impediment to moving forward with the level of collaboration that's needed to solve this issue. But I think if we could get our politicians on side to really be willing to be honest about the state of things and recognize that they need to work together on this, right? We need to move past the partisanship, the politics, 
and recognize this is an issue for everyone in this country, um, and we need our federal and provincial governments to start collaborating with us in healthcare to solve this problem. So I think that's really the first step. And, and I think we have to be willing to do the deep work, right? What we have is a system that's had layers of Band-Aids applied to it now for decades. Um, and there needs to be some fundamental shifts in how things are done to really create the change that's needed to make the system functional for patients and providers. But they're not superficial changes, right? They're, they're, it really is digging deep into how things are structured, how they're organized, how people are paid. Uh, the whole way the system operates needs an overvamp, an overhaul. Um, but, you know, that's not going to happen without the politicians at the table willing to do that work with us. And, and I think that's the concern is, you know, how much longer are we just going to march down this road of the status quo spending billions of dollars on a system that's not performing nearly as well as it should. And that's yeah. where we are right now. And we're not really, I think, at this point, seeing the commitment to, to do the work that needs to be done. Yeah, it's very concerning. Very concerning to know that politicians, governments have their own favorite uh, projects, and they're happy to throw billions of dollars in their personal enthusiasm um, and professional enthusiasm at their projects. But healthcare, which affects each and every person in this country, each and every one of us, is, well, you know, it's political football. Uh, Ms. Silas, what is your sense? What has to be done? What, what, what's it going to take to make the system start to be representative of every single person who is listening to this program across this country now, and you and Dr. Smart as well? What's it going to take? It's very similar to what uh, Catherine was saying. You know, you said earlier in your show, Rory, that we're a country of 37 million uh, people. That is a very small population for the extent of our country from urban to rural to remote to very remote to the north. You know, we're, the state of California has more population than we have in our whole country. So we need to look at nationally, bring all the experts together and do some coordination. Look what works in other countries of the world. What are the best practices? How do we have a a sustainable health human resource strategy? How do we focus on retention? How do we tell those 50, 55 years old, what does it take to keep you in the system? And I believe there's a need to change the culture of healthcare. We need to move uh, away from uh, the workers in the system are martyrs. They'll be there regardless. They're just like elastic bands. They'll keep it because they're there for the patients. Don't get me wrong. For nurses, they love being nurses. That's why they're still there. That's why they, they went in during the pandemic. That's why they do all the overtime. They just hate their working conditions. And, you know, show us a little bit of respect. Your show is in Ontario. Like, let's be real, Bill 124, like, really, why were nurses, why were healthcare workers hit so hard with a bill that showed no respect at all uh, for the work they were doing prior to the pandemic? And into the pandemic, so it's my, my show is on. Uh, my show is in, in Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia. So we cover a good part of the country, and the and the issues and the concerns are probably quite similar, province to province, government to government, yeah. regardless of what the political alignment of a government happens to be, whichever party it happens mm -hmm. to be. Do, do you have? Uh, we have a minute le left here. Dr. Smart, do you have any real hope that things will change? 
Well, I think we have to hold out hope. You know, I, I believe that this is such a critical issue for our country, for Canadians, for our future. There is not going to be a healthy economy or a thriving nation without a healthy population. And, you know, obviously I'm deeply committed to this work and to the health of Canadians. So I, I feel I have to main ho- maintain hope that things can change. But I also know, you know, it's not going to be easy and, and we do need to be serious about it and we need to start. Um, and I think that's my biggest frustration is where's the action and I, it's just clearly time to move forward uh, many of us are aligned uh, want to do the work and we just need the government to get on board with us if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites and if you like what you hear leave us a review and tell a friend i'm roy green have a great weekend